What's up, NFL fans? Welcome back to Four Down Territory after a nice little break, somewhat of an offseason. Doug Farrar and I are back to bring you around the NFL, the big storylines, the biggest news, and obviously with free agency ahead in mere minutes from when we're recording this, uh, obviously big things ahead for the NFL. Doug, how was uh, how was your vacation of sorts, my friend? Yeah, the, the vacation of sorts was about two minutes in combine and, you know, getting ready for this. and It's all good. The world just keeps rolling. I, I love how, uh, like, March Madness wants to start and the NFL goes, with the bulldozer. Good just luck, kicks the door in. Well, hey, Doug, let's get right to it. Obviously, the big uh, news that dominated the weekend on Sunday, Tom Brady announced that he is indeed returning for a 23rd NFL season. Sorry, not to the San Francisco 49ers but to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a third season in Tampa Bay. Doug, does this move surprise you at all, and how does it change the pecking order in the NFC now? The only thing that surprised me was that Brady retired in the first place. Maybe it was a family decision, I don't know, but when you consider his 2021 season and how well he played, I mean, as competitive as he's always been, I think it would have been a situation where he would have really regretted retiring when he's still that good. Um, he set career marks last year in his last season in attempts, completions, passing yards. His 43 touchdown passes were the second most he had in a season behind the 50 he threw in 2007. He was pretty good that year. Uh, he was pretty good last year. There's no drop off in ability. I mean, he led the league in deep passing attempts at 88. He ranked second with 37 deep completions behind only Matthew Stafford and Josh Allen. And again, given that insanely competitive nature, you watch Buccaneers tape, and I know you have, Luke, Mr. Buckswire. There's no drop-off. He's even starting to run boot. I was talking to Gronkowski about that a couple months ago when we were watching tape together. Like, Tom's running boot now? What the heck? So hey, getting, even, that, getting that MCL cleaned up will change a lot. Yeah, he's actually kind of expanding his game to a, a, a small degree, not that he needed to. Um, you know, the Ali Marpet signing hurts them. There's no way around that. But they get Ryan Jensen back. They may or may not lose Kappa. You go out and get Zion Johnson or, or something like that in the first round, as I uh, as I suggested in my most recent mock draft, which you're going to touch that wire. You know, I, I think they're fine. As far as the pecking order, they're right there. They don't, they don't have a lot of, like, really big guys they're going to lose outside of Marpet, who I think was their best offensive lineman, one of the two or three best guards in football. Outside of that, they're right there. Yeah, this move wasn't surprising to me at all, Doug. I, I think, honestly, as, you know, obviously a lifelong Bucks fan and even somebody who covers this team, it was I, I don't think I wanted to jinx it, right? I, I wanted, you know, I had a feeling that this was going to come down to maybe the wire in terms of free agency, but it always felt like he just wasn't done. It always felt like it was a, a very strong possibility. And I think the Bucks decision makers had that similar, maybe not planning for this, but hoping for it and making sure they kept that door open long enough. I know some Bucks fans were getting frustrated with the impatience. You were seeing other veteran quarterback deals go down and they're sitting there looking at the prospect of having, you know, a battle between Blaine Gabbard and Kyle Trask. You start to get a little nervous, but this was always the outcome that I think Jason Light, the general manager, Bruce Arians, the head coach, this was always what they were, were were hoping and what they were working toward. It's why they were so patient and didn't fill his spot because I thought I think they thought this would happen, right? So in terms of what it does to the NFC, I think it, it takes the Bucks from, I mean, what a swing, right? You go so many years of irrelevance to two years of just magic with Brady, the most successful run in team history over those two years, 29 and 10, a Super Bowl win, 
And then you were immediately back basically in irrelevance because of the quarterback position, right? Yeah, you got a bunch of those Pro Bowl players on both sides of the ball. But to go from Brady to, again, maybe Gabbard or Trask, I mean, that would have sent them from, you know, five primetime games last year to to maybe none at all this time without that quarterback. Now you're immediately launched back into relevance there. I think, you know, they're going to once again be one of the teams to beat in the NFC. And I think every other team in the NFC is just collectively groaning along with everyone outside of Tampa Bay seeing this move happen. Yeah, I, th- I saw one mock that wasn't one of ours where Carson, I think the Buccaneers selected Carson Strong in the first round. I, I, saw, two. Brady, I saw two different ones put him when, at 27. What are we when doing? Brady, when Brady saw that, I think he... Okay. That was it. It's enough of this silliness. Let's go. And really, and, and you know this, we can't underestimate the importance of the Jensen re-signing. And apparently, according to Peter King, he took less money to you know come back. And, uh, because you know this, Brady needs protection up the middle more than most quarterbacks. If that falls apart, it's not good. Right. So getting Jensen back is huge. Absolutely hitch. Also, don't discount the fact that Byron Leftwich is back. We thought he was going to be in Jacksonville maybe as a head coach. He's back as the OC. I think that had a lot to do with it as well. We could talk about Tom Brady all day. We definitely uh, will do that probably at some point. But we're going to move on to another quarterback in the headlines this weekend. Doug, Deshaun Watson is not going to be charged criminally uh, in connection with those sexual misconduct allegations uh, that we saw over the weekend. A grand jury in Texas deciding not to bring criminal charges there. He does still have those civil cases. Again, 22 different women accusing him of various degrees of sexual misconduct, sexual assault. You know, a team is going to give up multiple first round picks to trade for Deshaun Watson. What is your feeling of that situation? And if you're just a quarterback away from Super Bowl contention, if you're a general manager, are you still tempted to make that deal, even with these legal troubles kind of surrounding him right now? Yeah, he's going to get three, you know, the Texans are going to get three first and probably several impact players. It's going to make what the Seahawks got for Russell Wilson look really bad. Um, but getting to Watson, and if you isolate Watson as a player, it's clearly he was the top five quarterback in 2020 with a dumpster fire around him. As long as he's the player he was after the year off in 2021, just from that, and it's really, you can't isolate the one thing from the other, but just as a quarterback, is he worth that Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson Hall? Yes, no question. But we can't put him in a vacuum that way. I don't want to get into the legal particulars of this because there were people in our business who have made some really unfortunate assumptions about Watson's future based on their lack of knowledge of that part of it. But I would find it hard to take a Watson deal of that magnitude to my team owner, if I'm There's so much we don't know about the person right now. I mean, 22 counts, that's heavy. This isn't wondering whether Stafford will fit in Sean McVay's offense or whether Russell Wilson can throw over the middle. This is a guy who will, your quarterback will define your team on one side of things and could completely tank your culture on the other. And you have absolutely no idea which way it's going to go. I would be, even if I was the proverbial quarterback away, I would be really reticent to do this. I, I probably wouldn't. Yeah, I, that's kind of how I feel, Doug. I, you know, obviously, from a football standpoint, he's one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league, right? Has led the league in yeah. passing yards before, multiple Pro Bowls. No obviously, still in, still in his prime, right? So, And, and if you go, by the way, if you go back and look at that Texans offense around him in 2020, ugh. So it, it, that magnifies the on-the-field talent. It's just everything else. It really does. And, and don't discount the fact that his contract at 35 ish million a year for the next four years, I mean, that's going to be dirt cheap by the time yeah. we get anywhere close to the end of that deal for a franchise quarterback. So there's so many football reasons, so many financial reasons why that would 
be more than worth those those three first round picks, probably more that the Texans are obviously hoping to get for him. But again, when you when you involve these types of allegations and, and the scope to which the, the sheer amount of these similar stories that we're hearing from all these different women, it's just it's like you said, especially at the quarterback position, it's a it's a you are signing up for a brand. You are signing up, you know, the face of your franchise. And when there are those types of questions involved, it's just something, you know, especially with the, the cost it would take to make that move. It's just if I was in that chair, if I had, you know, my finger on that button to make that deal, I just don't think I could make it happen. I mean, if you have a choice of that or you take the, you know, if you if you're just bereft of a quarterback, like, like a credible starter, I mean, do you take a Willis or a Pickett in the draft and maybe you have to sit him for a year and you get a Trubisky or a Mariota or a Bridgewater? Absolutely. That Absolutely. I mean, that, that's probably the way I'd go, given the complicated now if this was Rodgers or Wilson or Stafford or if I could somehow get Brady I mean that's a no-brainer because those quarterbacks do not have the attendant complications that Deshaun Watson has and I don't think we've really we haven't come close to doing that now speaking of quarterbacks Doug again Aaron Rodgers Russell Wilson even Carson Wentz a lot of these deals happen right after the combine. By the way, Carson Wentz is not your bridge guy, just to make that clear. <laughs> it's not a bridge you want to walk across, that's for sure. Nope. Don't want to do that. But no, I mean, in terms of how that compares to what this quarterback class, both in terms of the draft and the veterans that are available on the market, is this? are, are those deals and the compensation, the fact that teams were so aggressive in keeping or getting a new quarterback – is that about what else is out there on the market and, and what isn't there? I think the fact that there was a, this mad dash right after the combine, I think it is a referendum on this quarterback class. Um, you go back to the 2013 draft class where there were 11 quarterbacks taken. Uh, Gino or no, EJ Manuel was the only first round guy. None of them panned out. The only two guys left in the league are Gino Smith and Mike Glenn. And, and I'm not saying this class has a, you know better overall talent than that, but sometimes, you know, as a GM, as personnel guys, you want to overcook everything. And, well, he's a quarterback, so let's take him anyway. Usually, you'd be looking for work in a year or two. Um, and it's not just the, the Rodgers and Wilson deals. Those were going to happen. Uh, it's not just what might be given for Deshaun Watson. It's not even the Wentz deal. That's just Washington proving he doesn't understand how to play quarterbacks all over again. It's the sudden narrative that Mitch Trubisky could be a starter in 2022, like he could be the Taysom Hill deal. We're now blaming everything that happened in Chicago on Matt Nagy, which a lot of it was Nagy's fault. But we're putting a shine on Trubisky and Mariota and Bridgewater and these other guys. You know, um, can Mason Rudolph be the starter in Pittsburgh? So I think teams are looking at this class and going, we had better not overvalue quarterbacks in this draft class the way we usually do that's really going to put us in trouble. I'm not saying those guys aren't talented. Like a Malik Willis, if you sit him for a year, I think he could be uh, like a Jalen Hurts plus. I think Pickett has some upside. There are some other guys in this class who could be good. But if you need a guy right now, he's probably not there. Yeah, I think this whole thing is a reflection of, of the quarterback market, like I said, both in terms of the veterans and the draft prospects. When, when the best you could probably get is what's left is Jimmy Garoppolo in terms of the, the veteran market, maybe. And again, in the draft, I, I love Malik Willis. I, I think he's got, especially in a class that doesn't have a, a complete guy, right? That's got all the things that checks all the boxes. You got to look for those elite traits, right? 
Malik Willis, arm talent, athleticism. I think he has two of those. Again, how long does it take him to put the rest of it together? I think he's a very smart quarterback. I think he will develop quickly. But after that, like you said, you know, Pickett probably has a, a higher floor, lower ceiling. And depending on where you play, maybe the, the hand size thing does matter to you in terms of the weather and the elements. But, you know, I, I just it's nowhere near last year's quarterback class, obviously, right? We're talking about Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, uh, Zach Wilson, even to a certain extent. You know, there, there are two kinds of teams in this league. You know this, Doug. The ones that have the guy at quarterback and those who are desperately trying to find that guy. Nobody wants to be in that second group, right? So... You know, you have to, like you said, you have to resist the urge to both overpay in terms of like what Washington did with Wentz for mediocrity in terms of a veteran. You have to be careful not to overvalue the best quarterback in a class that's not very good because of what it can mean and how it can set your franchise back for the next few years if you get that pick wrong. Well, in a comparative sense, you look at Justin Fields, who was, I don't know, QB2, QB3 in last year's class. He demolished Clemson. I mean, there was that Northwestern game where he kind of got a burr in his saddle because he didn't do well, and then he came out and just demolished Clemson. You look at Malik Willis against Ole Miss, every time they ran quarters and his head exploded. Yeah, very different situation. You know, and Desmond Ritter, since I like a lot of things about Desmond Ritter, but you look at that Cincinnati offense, every time they saw too high, it was either a screen or a run. He only threw deep against it. Well, what is the NFL now? It's too high league. Everyone's right. going too high. So you have to look at these things, look at the defensive trends, look at how these quarterbacks can attack them or not. And I think that specifically could be one reason people are not as high on this class as they might be otherwise. Now, Doug, to finish up here, we're going to move on to free agency. I know that both of our phones are, are buzzing like crazy already right now with the opening of the uh, the negotiation, the legal tampering period, if you will. I'd like to know who your underrated guys are. Who are a couple of guys who who might be under the radar going into this week, but who could really help their teams out, maybe even on some pretty economical deals on the open market? Well, one of my guys, Emmanuel Ogba, uh, the defensive lineman, I should say. because Right on schedule. Yeah, um, he just got a massive deal for it to stay with the Dolphins, so he's off my list. So as we're recording this, uh, a few names that stand out to me mostly on defense, linebacker Jordan Hicks, who played very well in the Cardinals defense and didn't seem to value him. Uh, two 2021 Packers, linebacker Devondre Campbell, who defined that defense um, to a large degree. And cornerback Rasul Douglas, who I think they got out the Cardinals practice squad, and then he turned into Darrell Rebus for like half a season. Um Hassan Reddick, the best edge rusher on the open market, not named Von Miller, who worked very well in any multiple front. Quandre Diggs, formerly of the Seahawks, who is that most important of players at Defensoria, an actual deep third eraser. Seahawks probably won't be able to afford him because they overpaid Jamal Adams. Hello, Seattle. Um, he'll be even better in 2022 if he lands the defense that makes the most out of the player's attributes. Um, you know, there's a lot of underrated talent out there. It's it's kind of like the draft class in that it's not necessarily tall, but it's wide, if that makes sense. So there are a lot of underrated guys out there. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely does. And I'll stay at home here with a few guys from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that I think are going to hit the market here. I'll start with Alex Kappa because we just found out, you know, as we're recording this, that he's signing a four-year, $40 million deal to go to Cincinnati and help protect Joe Burrow. 
Um, I think that's a huge loss for the Bucks. I think it's one they were pretty much planning on, especially after they brought back Ryan Jensen. Kappa was just going to price himself out of their range with the, the salary cap gymnastics they're going to have to go through just to bring back some of their other key guys. But, I mean, this is a guy who made 46 starts at right guard over the last three years, started every regular season game in each of the last two years. Kind of the forgotten man in that unit, right? We've heard a lot about yep. the tackles. We hear a lot about Marpet as a pro bowler, Ryan Jensen as a pro bowler. But, but Alex Kappa, again, a third-round pick out of Humboldt State. They traded up at the end of the third round to get him, something that Jason Light loves to do. He did the same thing with Ali Marpet in the second round back in 2015. But Alex Kapp is a really underrated guy. I think the Bengals know that. They paid him accordingly, and that's a huge get for them. A couple other guys. Well, there, the Bengals are going to hand out contracts Oprah style. You get a contract, you get a, any offensive lineman, you get a contract, you get that's just a smart. I mean, and honestly, rightfully so after what we saw last season. If they can go to the Super Bowl with the guys they had, Adding guys like Kappa is gonna it's gonna take him over the top. It's a very good addition. Two guys I'll mention, both 24 years old as they hit free agency. Jordan Whitehead, the safety, who I think the Bucks are gonna see as somebody they they can't overpay because they have Mike Edwards waiting behind him to play next to Antoine Winfield Jr. He needs to be on the field more anyway. Jordan Whitehead played the best football of his career last year, was finally healthy for most of the season last year, finally, but man, undersized, but just a an energy guy, a big play guy, very athletic, played on offense a lot in high school and, and was very athletic at Pitt. Loved him coming out of that draft. Yep. Ronald Jones, the running back. Uh, again, not a great receiving back out of, out of the backfield, but still a very explosive runner. Got bigger after his first season in Tampa Bay. He's much better running between the tackles than I think he was at USC. Again, both guys still just 24 as they hit the open market. And I think all three of those guys will, will be more valued where they end up in free agency because of how much they're going to get paid than they may have been here in Tampa Bay. Well, Whitehead in particular, um, I was studying him last week for something else, and he's that you know slot to box to occasionally free. You can kind of go everywhere. Obviously, in today's NFL, you want safety to do that. Well, Doug, that'll do it for us. We are glad to be back, glad to be sharing another uh, ridiculous NFL offseason with you. It's only going to get wilder from here as the draft gets closer, as free agency continues to swirl. Uh, so thanks again for joining us. Once again, for Doug Farrar, I'm Luke Easterling, and we'll see you next time.